1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, he was sorely missed, and we always look forward to having him on the program every week on Tuesday with his historical and somewhat hysterical viewpoint on history. Good morning, Doc. Good morning,
0: Zeb. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, You know, uh, we went over to the Oregon coast, my wife and I, and every time I travel from through the Blue Mountains and through that area over to the Columbia, I always think of the Wilson Prize Hunt Expedition that, that traveled through there the hardships, the Starvation, everything that went through for them yeah. to do that. It's an amazing country.
1: Yeah. We we hit the interstate and we drive over the blues, and it's bloop, and you're over there and right. down cabbage, et cetera, into Pendleton. Yeah. Can you imagine going horseback over there and walking horseback with oxen uh, pulling the wagon yeah. or whatever? Snow. Yeah. Anyway, and all the families having to walk the bulk right. of that three thousand
0: miles. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, beautiful country yeah. over there. But anyway, uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, Calamity Jane really now I want you to picture uh, there's a picture I can't show you because I don't have it with me but it's, there's a picture that shows her Martha her name is Martha canary Burke and she's posed in front of an exhibition of teepees and tents before a performance with the Indian Congress at the pan- American Exposition in Buffalo New York and that's in 1901 which is when she's along in years uh-huh. okay but a lot of the information about the early years of Calamity Jane's life comes from an autobiographical booklet, which she dictated in 1896, and it was written for publicity purposes, and also because she was about to begin a tour, which she appeared in, like, these museums and different places around the United States, and basically this booklet was intended to help attract uh, audiences. So the things are, you know, quite exaggerated at times, and sometimes completely inaccurate in this pamphlet.
1: So how can you discern which is true and which isn't?
0: That's the hard part. And we just have to go by the people that knew her and stories that were written about her. Okay. Because this, like I say, this was uh, intended to attract audiences, and she was making money off of it. Anyway, Calamity Jane was born May first, 1852, as Martha Jane Canary in Missouri. Her father was named Robert Wilson Canary, and he had a gambling problem. And her mother, Charlotte M. Canary, had spent time working as a prostitute. Jane was the oldest of six kids. She had two brothers and three sisters. So, you know, her home life was not much to to behold, Mm, you know.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it.
0: Yeah. Well, in 1865 Robert and his family moved by wagon train from Missouri to Virginia City, Montana, and in 1866 a year later, Charlotte, the mother, died of pneumonia along the way in uh, Blackfoot, Montana. Mm-hmm. So she's gone. Yeah. Now, after arriving in Virginia City in the spring of 1866, Robert took his six children and they went on down to Salt Lake City. Well, they arrived in the summer and Robert supposedly started farming on 40 acres of land and the the family had only been in Salt Lake for a year when he died in 1867. Now
1: he was a gambler.
0: Right. Okay. He was a gambler. So, at age 14, Martha Jane took charge of her five younger siblings, so she was the oldest. She loaded up their wagon once more and took the family to Fort Bridger, Wyoming Territory. At what age
1: was she? Fourteen. Can you imagine 14. kids today at 14 taking charge?
0: Yeah, with five younger kids, wow. you know. Uh, wow. So they, they made it into Fort Bridger. They arrived in May of 1868, and from there they trailed on the Union Pacific Railroad to Piedmont, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Now, in Piedmont, Jane took whatever job she could fine to provide for her family. She worked as a dishwasher, a cook, a waitress, a dance hall girl, a nurse, an ox team driver. And finally, in 1874, she claimed she found work as a scout at Fort Russell. Now, during that time, she also began her on and off employment as a prostitute at the Fort Laramie Three Mile Hog Ranch is what it was called and she moved on to a rougher mostly outdoor and adventuresome life on the Great Plains she had a rough rough time I mean, yeah. just think about it and she's that.
1: only like at that time 14, Maybe 15 years old yeah
0: 16, 17 getting in there wow so. Anyway, uh, Piedmont uh, started as an end-of-the-tracks town by the Union Pacific Railroad. Uh, Cheyenne was the territorial capital of Wyoming, and by the time Jane arrived in the early 1870s, the territorial legislature in 1869 had actually, kind of ahead of the time, they granted suffrage to women so that they could vote, along with the right to hold office and serve on juries.
1: Wasn't that at the same time uh, one of your stories that we've talked about with the Johnson County War over there in Wyoming?
0: You know, I, I, I'm not sure of the years exactly.
1: Oh, I'm not quite sure. But you know what I'm referring yep, right. to. Yeah. With the Tom Horn type mm-hmm. thing.
0: But it was also becoming a cowboy capital, okay, yeah. serving the cattle trails from Texas, pushing herds uh, into the northern plains, and it had a military presence. Uh, and following the establishment, establishment of Camp Carlin, which was later named Fort D.A. Russell, and I'm not exactly sure uh, the history behind those. Anyway. Jane was involved in several campaigns in the long-running military conflicts with the Indians, and her claim was that, and I'm going to quote this, I'm going to read what she said about herself, quote, it was during this campaign in 1872-73 that I was christened Calamity Jane. It was on Goose Creek, Wyoming, where the town of Sheridan is now located. Captain Egan was in command of the post. We were ordered out to quell an uprising of the Indians and were out for several days, had numerous skirmishes during which six of the soldiers were killed and several severely wounded. When on returning to the post, we were ambushed about a mile and a half from our destination. When fired upon, Captain Egan was shot. I was riding in advance and on hearing the firing, Turned in my saddle and saw the captain reeling in his saddle as though about to fall. I turned my horse and galloped back with all haste to his side, got there in time to catch him as he was falling. I lifted him onto my horse in front of me and succeeded in getting him safely to the fort. Captain Egan on recovering laughingly said, I name you Calamity Jane, the heroine of the plains." And she says, I have borne that name up to the present time.
1: Now, I'm going to ask you some questions about her personally. Was she a large woman, small woman, whatever? You
0: know, it really doesn't tell me, but from what I've gathered, she was not that big. So this story that she quotes is taken with a grain of salt. I see. Quite a bit. Really. I see. Okay. So i say it may be that she exaggerated this story or even completely made up the whole thing. OK, even during her lifetime, not. <clears throat> Not everyone accepted her version as true. Uh, a popular belief is that uh, she instead acquired this name because of warnings to men that to offend her or to get on her bad side was to court calamity. Oh, well,
1: that makes a lot of sense. It does. That yeah. makes
0: more sense, really. That you didn't want to mess. With yeah. Her. So anyway, Cheyenne's a good place uh, uh, to start the life of Jane uh, Martha area, but the Cheyenne Deadwood Trail came to quick prominence after men traveling with Lieutenant Colonel George A. Custer when they found gold in the Black Hills in 1874, and like others in the region at the time, Jane Martha traveled the first leg of its route from Cheyenne to Fort Laramie, and for a time she had worked six miles west of Fort Laramie at, at, a, at a road ranch. Now, she also worked at a ranch near Fort Fetterman. And Fort Fetterman was the one where uh, the woodcutters had gone out and they were massacred. Right. That's a a whole other story.
1: Is there any more reference to her siblings after that?
0: Uh, A little bit. I'll I'll, I'll get to a little bit of that. Um, Anyway... uh, Men along this rail line and in the the military knew her as Calamity in the 1870s. She was at Fort Laramie in 1875 when the Black Hills Expedition was organized under the direction of a guy named Walter Jenny and Henry Newton. And that party was uh, in charge of determining the quality and quantity of gold in the Black Hills. So they were trying to figure out, you know, do we really want... uh, this all to be left to the Indians, or is this something we want to open up to to miners? So anyway, when Calamity Jane first arrived in the Wyoming Territory capital of Cheyenne in 1870, the Union Pacific Railroad town had about 1,500 people and was known across the West as the Magic City of the Plains. And I'd never heard that before. I haven't either. So. But uh, a member of the scientific party that explored the Black Hills in 1875 was a guy by the name of Valentine T. McGillicuddy.
1: You just don't run into those names like that anymore today. Valentine Valentine T. McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy.
0: Now, he first saw Jane wearing spurs, chaps, and a sombrero. On May 20th, 1875, as she crossed the parade ground at Fort Laramie, when McGillicuddy, a surgeon who was also a Mac maker for this expedition, asked about the woman. And Colonel Henry Dodge identified her as, quote, the regimental mascot who didn't know the meaning of the word morals. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to leave it at
1: that. I noticed that you're kind of (laughs) skirting skirting the issue. Leaving that behind. Yes, I noticed that in a trail of dust. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, uh, so Jane pressed this
0: McGillicuddy to put in a word on her behalf with Colonel Dodge to be allowed to accompany the expedition uh, into the Black Hills. But the doctor uh, declined. However, as he later wrote, when the march began... And, quote, unaccounted for young private trailed in the expedition's wake. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's somebody following. Oh. Okay. That, quote, private was soon identified as Calamity, Calamity Jane, Jane. But she worked with civilian teamsters and retained her kind of shaky position with the expedition, having made quite an impression on most of the men. So she must have been, you know, a pretty rough and ready, get stuff done type of person. Yeah. So, But one description of her on that trip came from the acting assistant surgeon J.R. Lane, who provided an account published in the Chicago Tribune, Tribune on June 19, 1875. And here's what he said in the newspaper, quote, Calamity is dra- dressed in a suit of soldiers blue and straddles a mule equal to any professional black snake swinger in the Army. Lane also wrote, Calamity also jumps upon a trooper's horse and rides along in the ranks and gives an officer a military salute with as much style as the first corporal in a crack company. Really? So, yeah. So she made an impression. Now here's another guy, Thomas C. McMillan, writing for another newspaper called the Chicago Inter Ocean. In his quote, he says, "Quote." reputation of being a better horseback rider, mule, and bullwhacker, and a more unctuous coiner of English, and not the Queen's pure either, than any man in the command. Could you (laughs) possibly read that at a faster rate? (laughs) (laughs) In other words, her um, command of the English language, I would say, is colorful.
1: Is that a good way to put that? You skirted it, but yeah. you came back in yeah. rather uh, stylish form. C- colorful lady. There you go. Yes. Now, McGillicuddy, back to him, he by said... By the way, may I say this? I'm going to ask you a trivia question real okay. fast. I know of a McGillicuddy, and you do too, from back in the 50s on TV. Oh, yeah. Who was it? Who I don't know. Lucille Ball on her show, Le- uh, Lucy and Desi. Her maiden name on the TV show was oh, McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy. Could be, could be. I know it is. I'm, I'm straight up with you. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, so
0: McKillicuddy again said, quote, the only woman in the party dressed in soldiers clothes, rode a horse a straddle, could drink and swear like a trooper. Uh-huh. So a little more <laughs> colorful explanation of, of Jane. Anyway, the Black Hills expedition followed the route that would become famous and well-traveled as the Cheyenne-Deadwood Stage Road. And Deadwood became the heart of action in the Black Hills during Calamity's time there. And, and of course, that's where Wild Bill was gunned down. And, and it's known for uh, kind of a list of characters of the Old West that also were in that
1: area. did she have a... A, kind of an alliance with Wild Bill? I'll talk about that. Oh. Just a little.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, when she arrived in Deadwood in 1876, she could never have imagined that her name would be linked with this town. 150, 160 years later. Still, when you think of Deadwood, you think of Wild Bill and Calamity Jane. Calamity right? Jane yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, Calamity left Deadwood and hated, headed to Montana. Oh, you know, I think I skipped that one part. She did finally end up leaving her siblings as they were starting to get a little bit older. So, th- they were uh, taken care of.
1: Were they still in Salt Lake City?
0: No, they were up in uh, Oh, Bridger. Yeah, up uh, uh, in that area by yeah. then. So, so she didn't just abandon them. She th- They were taken care of. But anyway, uh, she left Deadwood and actually headed to Montana where she'd spent part of her childhood. She was in Miles City on February 11th, 1882, then moved to Billings as the Northern Pacific Railroad also laid tracks toward the west. And at times she was in Livingston, Lewiston, and Missoula. But Montana didn't really set for her very long. And by the latter half of the 1880s, she was farther south living and, according to some accounts, working, again, as a prostitute in towns along the Union Pacific Railroad route in southern now, Wyoming. she was
1: only about 35 years old then.
0: Yeah, by now, yeah. yeah. So, in 1876, Calamity Jane settled in the area of Deadwood, South Dakota, in the Black Hills, and Jane met and became friends with Wild Bill Hickok. Now, evidence that Calamity Jane and Wild Bill had married at Benson's Landing, Montana Territory, which is actually now Livingston, Montana, on September 25th, 1873. Now, the documentation was written in a Bible and presumably signed by two ministers and several witnesses. However, this claim has been vigorously challenged because of a whole lot of discrepancies. And again, this is something we just have to take I don't know. With a Ab- grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. But Calamity Jane does uh, seem to have had two daughters, although the father's identity is not really known. Mm-hmm. So some say Wild Bill was a father of one, or but uh, they really don't know who the fathers were. But anyway, later in life, she appeared in Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. And at this 1901 Pan American Exposition, she is said to have exhibited compassion to the others, especially to the sick and needy. And we see that, Zeb, with some of these uh, ladies of the night. They were the first ones to step forward with food, money, yeah. clothes yeah. for for the less fortunate. Yeah, And she was, you know, despite what we've said about her, I think she was a very good person. I mean,
1: to take care of the siblings like she did. Well, I want to just say it and phrase it like this. Hard times create hard people to possibly overcome the hard times and help others. Exactly. Does and that and make I think, sense?
0: And I, I have a great deal of respect just from what little I know about her. But anyway, sorting out details of Calamity Gaines life is kind of a hard thing because of the twists and the turns in the story and she didn't stay very long in any one place and she returned to the Black Hills and she died August 1st, 1903 now Calamity was buried out at Mount Moriah Cemetery, South Dakota, next to Wild Bill Hickok. Now, I've been there. I don't know if you have. Have you been to Deadwood's Ed? Uh, once. Okay. And we did go to the to the cemetery. But four of the men who planned her funeral later stated that Wild Bill Hickok had, quote, absolutely no use for Jane. So Really? Yeah, while he was alive. So they decided to play a little joke on him by giving her a resting place by his side uh-huh. another account states that quote in compliance with jane's dying request the society of black hills pioneers took charge of her funeral and burial in mount moriah cemetery beside wild bill so again a little questionable you know
1: No, i'm going to go back to the siblings here Is there a way that history or history investigators could go through the siblings to find out if there was any communication from her to them over the years so that they could verify it? Yeah, and, you know,
0: who knows what their names became. If they were adopted out or fostered out, they probably took on the last names of the family that... Would they have
1: known that their sister was known as Calamity Jane?
0: That's a good question, too. I I would guess they probably did. And I'm just going to guess at that only because unless they left the territory, yeah. you know, unless they went back east or west or whatever, I would think that that if they stayed in the Montana, Wyoming area, that. Her reputation was such that, but again, maybe she didn't want them so to. So
1: you're saying, if I heard you correctly, that she passed away roughly at an early age of under 55, right?
0: Yeah, she was born, what did I tell you? 18... Uh, 1852 to 1903. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. not very. But then again, in those hard days, life. hard yeah, life. In those days, if you lived past fifty or sixty, that was it was
1: unusual. But when you study these stories to use on doctor history, uh, sometimes I would imagine you probably get a little frustrated because there's so many intangibles.
0: Exactly, and in fact, as I did research on this, I found two years of birth date ten years apart. Wow! And, and so I,
1: you know. But how, you know, when people ask me about you and the program that we do every week on the show, uh, when history is not really available to be precise and concise, you're just taking a lot of it as hearsay. That's true. And I've tried to say
0: that over the years, that, you know, this is what I have found. And I, I try to research to get things as accurate as I can. Yeah. And even then, there's just so much that we don't know. That's why I like to do stories that actual is the written word of a person.
1: Yeah, not only that, but you They're know, vibrant. you and I talked about this one time on the show that it would be so nice, like in the case of Calamity Jane, of being able to know there might be a sibling or some records or some family tree. Right, exactly. Because, and I'll say why, if they were over in Fort Bridge or Wyoming, which really isn't that far away, there might be people uh, through the genetics of their family tree that live right here in this area today. Exactly. I mean, you think about clear back in
0: 1903, by now there'd be great grandkids Absolutely. hanging around
1: Absolutely.
0: that probably have a, a connection with her. Yeah. I'd love to be able to meet people like that. And I've always said, you know, folks, go on my webpage dr-history.com and, and under comments, click on that and tell me if you know something or again, corrections. I don't, all, I don't claim to be an expert
1: on this. I just like to Tell the stories and try to get them as accurate as a can. No, but I mean, there's when I think about people, what, uh, you might be sitting having lunch with somebody that might be related to Billy the Kid. Exactly. Seriously. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, of course, with your background, you're probably related to the stagecoach, Robert Black Bart. <laughs> Among others. <laughs> hey, God bless you, man. Thanks, Ed. Dr. History, outstanding job. I can't remember what she looked like. I've got a picture someplace of her, Calamity Jane, but... But uh, I'll try to look that up.
0: Real quick, Zeb, did you tell the people that we are invited to the Custer Battlefield
1: next summer? No, but uh, real fast, give us a quick synopsis. I'll give you about 30 seconds. Lan- i got to get this Lance in. Lance
0: Durrell, who took my place a couple of times, wrote a book called uh, uh, Dance, Dance with Death. Dance with Death great book on the Custer Battlefield with right. Miles Keogh. And he has invited, Zeb and I, to the celebration or the reenactment next summer at the custer battlefield and we're
1: thinking seriously about going yes yes. absolutely thank you dr history